Welcome to the latest episode of the Social Housing Retrofit Accelerator podcast, where we dive into the detail to support your domestic retrofit projects. Hi everyone, welcome to the uh, Social Housing Retrofit Accelerator podcast. Uh, today I'm delighted to be joined by Sam Stacey, who's the Challenge Director of Transforming Construction. Um, now, just to sort of set a bit of context, really, I suppose we, we're used to talking about the fact that we need to retrofit whatever the number is, somewhere between 24 and 29 million homes in the UK to de- decarbonise. So we know there are huge numbers that we're dealing with. Um, and perhaps the biggest single challenge we've got you know, within the UK is the complexity of technical issues that need to be addressed because of the different archetypes and locational barriers and finance and skills. Uh, and, you know, there's obviously not a one size fits all solution, but we do need some sort of comprehensive solution. So Sam, in his role uh, as you know, transforming construction for Innovate UK, well, you know, challenge is in his job title. So we know that uh, many people, including Innovate UK, are interested in how we can actually start to address some of these issues. Um, and at a time at which we're looking at rolling out a national retrofit strategy, uh, the issues around reskilling and upskilling what are very traditional sectors are really important. And obviously we need to attract new talent into emerging roles and opportunities. And there's all sorts of things around what sort of um, systems and processes we have in place to actually deal with all of this stuff. So really what I wanted to get to um, in, the, in the nub of this discussion with uh, Sam really is to understand what the constraints, challenges and opportunities are about transforming our sector at speed. So Sam, welcome again. Um, Could you maybe start by telling us a little bit about your role at Innovate UK and what you see as the key challenges relating to the social housing retrofit sector specifically? Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. So um, yes, I am Challenge Director for Transforming Construction at Innovate UK. So uh, I've been given the task of uh, implementing the sector deal for the construction industry, which is part of the uh, UK's industrial strategy. And I've been at it about four years now. And um, really what we've been trying to do is take this system approach to the built environment and address all the, the, the parts of the jigsaw that enable us to have a much more effective uh, uh, construction sector. So encompassed within that is absolutely the decarbonisation challenge. And I would say it's probably, uh, you know, risen up as a higher priority since I've been since I've been doing this job. But it, it all comes together, really. It's all part of that same system. We need to have a better set of demands from the the, the client side. We need to have the innovations that solve the the, the sorts of uh, problems that um, that that we're facing. We need to upskill the supply chain so that they can deliver on those demands. And we've got to give everybody confidence that this stuff really works. You know, quite understandably, people are very, very careful about the investments they make. They they have to be sure that if they're investing in something, they're going to see the returns that they need and that money is, is going to be well spent. And they've got to be sure that what they've been encouraged to do or the, the techniques that they're implementing really work. And that is something that 
has has been a gap in the market. And you know, one of the you know one of the key principles of the transforming construction program is we look at the market, we see okay, what is working, what isn't working, where do we need to fill in the gaps, where do we need to provide proof and confidence uh, so that people can go out there and and take up these innovations. Fantastic. That's a very comprehensive description of uh, the challenge you're facing there, for sure. Um, <clears throat> so if we could sort of pick up on some of those um, points then. Um, how, I mean, how do you rate the housing sector in general for innovation? And, and where do you think the uh, stumbling blocks are in terms of what the housing sector itself might, might consider innovation? Well, the housing—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's always a difficult question. This: how do I how do I rate an in, in the, the industry or part of the industry with regards to innovation? Um, the the people in the industry are great problem solvers. They're great practical problem solvers. And you know, fa faced with uh, a difficulty, a practical difficulty, they'll do fantastic things. What is a lot more difficult is continuous improvement, building on past lessons um, and uh, addressing the sort of structural issues, um, let's say, in the market. So where you've got uncertainty about the functionality of, uh, in this case, you know, uh, energy performance uh, solutions, it, it makes people reluctant to commit to them. Um, uh, if the whole like costs of the building are not properly understood or the incentives are not in the right place then that will reduce the the um inclination to innovate around those things what you've got with social housing is is really good because there is from what i perceive it's, it's much more joined up in terms of understanding the the whole life value and the whole life costs of the of the assets of the of the homes and therefore people can make much more sensible decisions about okay so if we invest in heat pumps or solar panels or uh, battery storage how's it going to look with regards to energy bills right out into the future and 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 so on so um i i would say that the the sector has got an enormous amount to do um, and you could say that we haven't made all that much progress yet, but the capability and the um, opportunity to make rapid progress is is there. And one of the things, just to sort of sort of follow on from that, the, 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 a, a natural question is: Are the skills there? And I, again, I'm, I'm I'm a perennial optimist, and I'm an optimist in 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 relation to this too. Um, I think if you set the right conditions, it's amazing how ingenious people will be, um, how resourceful they'll be in uh, finding ways to 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 respond. Um, so it's not as though we need a whole new set of skills to do this. People who are skilled in the industry at the moment in whatever it is as electricians or plumbers or carpenters or, or, or what have you, these are practical, adaptable people and it doesn't take much to to get them to understand how to work with sustainable technologies in, in the sector. Now, so on the one hand, it's, I believe, easier than people often suggest uh, to um, 
get people to adopt these these new techniques um, that, that they need. Uh, also, there's the productivity question. Now, our industry has um, been rather unimpressive in terms of uh, productivity improvements over the last few decades. But at the same time, we know, we absolutely know that at our fingertips, we've got ways to really uh, dramatically improve productivity in, in the industry. So a combination of adaptability and ability to get more done with the same pair of hands, um, I think sets a good basis from which to proceed. Yeah, I mean, love your optimism and I think, you know, it's absolutely essential we have that. I'm just wondering um, whether on a practical level there's sometimes a disconnect between what individual housing providers can do and what's happening within the marketplace because uh, they can obviously um, work with their supply chains where they've got direct influence uh, and obviously that's even easier for the for the larger housing associations to, to get on with but the smaller and medium ones probably have slightly less influence in the market and 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 actually there's a you know perhaps sometimes a tension between what they're able and prepared to do and what the market is then going to gear up to develop the skills for um so is is that an area your teams get involved in and in those sort of conversations of how to fill that productivity gap uh well not to succumb to the temptation uh, for for scope creep around what I do now, um, my my remit was has been to address new buildings. Um, the the main focus, um, the not the exclusive focus, but the principal focus has been uh, the new buildings that the government procures. Um, so that's your schools and your hospitals and so forth. Now, in the process of doing that, we're making the industry better more fit for purpose, more capable of doing all sorts of, of other things. So a great deal of what I've been responsible for is uh, uh, relevant and adoptable uh, in the retrofit sector um, and relevant and adoptable for uh, social housing. Um, but it hasn't been the sort of primary remit. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And, and you're right, because actually that whole sort of upskilling thing uh, you know, it does have impacts across. I mean, there are a lot of um, major contractors who operate across many different sectors uh, and have different divisions operating across different sectors. And then they've got supply chains who feed into multiple sectors as well. So, um, you know, there is a correlation across the whole industry, isn't there? Um, but it, it, I'm just going to back. I mean, I know when we've been talking about innovation, we're talking about lots of different things. We're talking about, um, you know, how innovation in procurement and in engagement with supply chains. But in terms of technology and solutions, that sort of area of innovation, what have you seen that's transferable from other sectors and particularly from the modern methods of construction, the sort of MMC space, which could be adopted in social housing to increase productivity and industrialise our response to that? Well, the, the, the vast majority of opportunity is is not about, you know, silver bullet stuff. It's about being sensible. It's about thinking, how do we get the economies of scale and efficiency and rigorous quality control that you see in, in automotive and so forth into the construction sector? How do you get people to uh, take up uh, or install uh, 
heat pumps, uh, uh, solar panels of, of, of various sorts. It's about setting up the right incentives and then doing sensible things with them. You know, if you just install a heat pump or if you just sort of very determinedly make something off site, then you're not necessarily going to get the, the, the benefits that you uh, that, that you need. Um, you if you're going off site with something, you need to know that you're working with a supply chain that's got that flow through of, um, of, of orders and so forth. And therefore their overheads are nicely offset with the uh, amount of work that's going through. Um, if you're installing uh, a, uh, green technology, then uh, you've you, you, you've got to see how the system's going to work. You've got to see how your uh, solar panels are going to generate electricity that then gets stored in a battery when it's not being used or perhaps shared with another building that needs it when you don't need it and so forth. So it's it's joining this, this, these systems up that's so important. And, you know, that's where we can develop specific solutions around that, uh, control systems that do that, and then test it out for real, test it out on lots and lots of different scenarios, different uh, how, types of houses, uh, different communities, and optimise the the, the, the the balance, the, the, the coordination between all these technologies. Mm. So, uh, I mean, I suppose what you're talking about in some respects there as well is um, aggregation of, of demand and sort of pulling together and that, that sort of collaborative approach so that perhaps we're looking at um, responses to similar archetypes of properties um, to make sure that there's a, um, a consistent approach and we're not reinventing the wheel every time. Um, I mean, you're right in some respects in that uh, you know a lot of this stuff isn't rocket science. A lot of it does come down to basics in terms of fabric first. But you know, we certainly know from our master classes and the um, uh, the upskilling that we're doing within the social housing sector that there's a lot of basics that aren't understood by people in terms of things like moisture control and ventilation. Yeah you know the fundamentals of building physics I suppose um so I suppose you know we're, we're in this interesting space where we've got to move at pace and and the market's being encouraged to move at, at pace whilst we're still sort of testing some stuff out um so again where where might we get to um a happy medium there where everything isn't um still exploratory and we have the opportunity perhaps to um, you know, to, to, to get the volumes out there that we need? Well, I, I you know, I, I think it's about building momentum. I think it's about um, looking at the what what's out there and saying, so what's the relatively easier uh, building type, house type uh, to, to address? Get going with that. And then in the process of that, you, you learn things, you uh, develop a more capable supply chain. Um, and, you know, without doubt, there are types of buildings where you can quite easily see that you get a really healthy return on investment. Now, if you were to take, you know, if, if, if you were to say, OK, we've got to address the whole 26 million homes or, or whatever, some of them will be pretty hard to do in terms of, you know, in today's economics and today's techniques, the return on investment might be, I don't know, something not that attractive, 20 years or something. Um, but a subset of those buildings, you'll be able to make interventions that probably pay back in three to five years. And that's terrific. I mean, and then once you're building up momentum that way, 
you 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 get these efficiencies you get these good habits in place and the overall costs come down and you know you saw that with the feed-in tariffs um with with regards to solar panels um you know the the prices drop massively as a result of the feed-in tariff so you know i i know that 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 program had some criticisms but it certainly worked in terms of priming the market and you know now it's it's cost effective to um uh, put in solar panels without any um, without any grants at all, um, and yet at the beginning, you know, we we were having to subsidise quite substantially, and I think the social housing retrofit fund is really going to help that. It's really going to do what it's setting out to do, which is to to give some momentum to the market. Mm, absolutely. Um, I mean, moving into a slightly different area, actually, I'm quite interested in um, the relationship between uh, the sort of social value side of things and how perhaps that can be used to support new technologies and systems. So particularly with SMEs and uh, you know inc incubator type um, solutions. Um, so what's happening with Innovate UK in terms of funding and sort of encouraging some of those sort of breakthrough uh, solutions and how might the market engage with some of those on a regional basis? Well, the the the, the reality is uh, that we've got the one big show in town at the moment is the Ofgem uh, Strategic Innovation Fund. So that is a substantial amount of money that is available um, to particularly install system-based improvements uh, to the, the energy performance of the built environment. There's, uh, I think it's 450 million uh, available over a few years. Could you just define that what a system-based improvement is? Uh, so um, uh, this is where you're sort of joining up different sorts of buildings within a community uh, with the energy grid. Uh, so uh, smoothing uh, generation and usage of, of energy um, and just getting all those parts working together. Mm. So that's the, the big show that's in town at the moment. Um, uh, Innovate UK is shifting into sort of its next phase of, of strategic planning um, and uh, it's got three focus areas. It's got decarbonisation as a focus area, it's got digitalisation as a focus area and it's got uh, something around uh, life sciences as a focus area. So decarbonisation and digital, both of huge relevance uh, to, to us. Um, I, I think the actual sort of uh, pots of money available to bid for are not, uh, you know, they're not, they're not, then apart from the, the off-gen thing that I mentioned, uh, I think it'll be quite a few months before the money is available to bid for. But, you know, all this helps the planning for, for businesses. It's coming down the line. This is a, 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 a massive focus area. Uh, I think we can anticipate substantial amount of support um, for the, these things, um, you know, both in terms of, of the uh, financial um, support that Innovate UK can give, but you know the mentoring, the um, the uh, networking, um, uh, the the overall support that we can give for businesses and indeed the academia in in this uh, space is also really valuable. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you touched on an interesting area there, actually, with the relationship between digital and decarbonisation. Um, and I've always been slightly surprised that there hasn't been a more rapid uptake of, of a, if you like, a sort of BIM light, a sort of BIM for retrofit type approach. So, that, that, you know, that you're capturing, we know that you need a whole house plan and each property needs to be dealt with individually and that you'll get your building passports potentially if you do all of that in the right way. But is there any sign of anything that sort of looks and feels like a bit for retrofit that would work on scale for um, housing providers that have got, you know, literally tens of thousands of properties that they need to manage and record and and, and cross-tabulate in terms of what's happening with them? Uh, so, yeah, the answer is, is yes, and um, particularly with regards to uh, Wales and the Welsh Government, uh, the Active Building Centre Research Programme uh, is mapping uh, a lot of, of buildings, a lot of homes in Wales, uh, and then um, uh, analysing that data for different building types um, and uh, coming up with you know, packages of solutions uh, for, for different building types. Um, so, you know, that's a sort of macro level thing. Uh, laser scanning is part of that. Um, so I think we are seeing good progress or substantial progress, I would say, with, with regards to that. I think there's huge opportunity to 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 do more around that. Um, you know, one of the one of the issues for built environment has been that it's been relatively slow uh, to digitize um, and one of the barriers that's not often talked about there is just the the uh, file size and the manipulation of um, you know uh, massive amounts of data. But technology has caught up with us very well in recent times around that. So you know having these these massive point cloud files um, and being able to analyze that data all helps with regards to this economies of scale thing and 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 and. Um, uh, solutions that are widely applicable um, that, that I talked about earlier. And are we likely to get to a stage, do you think, where there's a, almost a centralised, uh, even if it is just for social housing, centralised um, resource of information or, or, or um, uh, I suppose, a, a, a source where all of that information about various properties could still be anonymised in terms of the occupants, but um, I suppose that sort of big data thing where you can look at the different archetypes and look at solutions as they're put in maybe the performance data so that we've got this sort of ongoing learning happening as well. Is there anything in that? Uh, that, that is certainly the in, that is certainly the intent. Um, uh, but I, mean, I don't think that's a sort of um, binary thing. I don't think it's kind of we've got to wait for this fantastic big model before we can do do anything. I think that the the progress that's being made by various parties on various fronts and you know, I would encourage people to look at the um, Active Building Centre Research Programme uh, website and also Active Building Centre Limited uh, a website. So the former is more the, the academic based research and the latter is, is more market ready um, solutions. So there is a lot happening there. Uh, we're constantly producing useful information and, you know, I love this interaction with the commercial world whereby innovations come through, people adopt them, adjust them, uh, respond to the market conditions and, and so forth. And it's, you know, it, it, it's a dynamic environment out there. You know, energy energy costs uh, are very different, unfortunately, to what they were even at the beginning of this year. Um, so things are changing all the time and we're, we're responding uh, to, to what's changing. But there is a lot of information out there and coming through that is really helpful for people. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you were to sort of in summing up then, give your top three tips to social housing landlords who have these thorny issues to deal with, with complex and 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 varied uh, properties in their portfolios. Um, you know, where, where, where I mean, you've mentioned obviously about the active building centre and and the resources there. Are there any other things that you say, you know, tap into these resources or or look here for information? Uh, first of all, the the obvious thing, you know, think think in terms of the whole life cost and whole life value of, of the asset. Don't be over focused. You know, don't be obsessed with with the the capital costs. Think of the total cost and. On the basis of that, that opens up huge, huge opportunities and, and a huge amount of financial logic, particularly um, with, with regards to where we are with, with energy prices um, at the moment. Um, treat every project um, as an opportunity to learn, every intervention as an opportunity to learn. And I'm, you know, I'm absolutely sure that if you sort of set out on that strategy to to learn to do things increasingly well that will that will pay off um, and my third point would be just be ambitious be demanding you know it don't listen to the naysayers don't listen to the skeptics we can do this it's good for everybody to do this this is not about economic pain uh, offset against some some generalized good these will be buildings that reduce energy uh, uh, poverty that uh, are more comfortable to live in uh, there are ways to reduce overheating in the process of of doing these things so homes can be heated better cooled better energy bills can come down be ambitious with it stick to your guns and we'll we'll get there we'll get to where we need to go we absolutely will and i'm so glad we're on the same page with that because uh, yeah optimism is our middle name at uh, <laughs> at schwar as well it might not be in the acronym but it's in there <laughs> brilliant okay thank you so much sam that's been really really informative and helpful and uplifting and it's always good to have a conversation with you uh, thank you thank you See you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Social Housing Retrofit Accelerator podcast. To receive the latest episodes, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or sign up to the SHRA newsletter. Check out socialhousingretrofit.org.uk for more information, events and news. I was your host, Sarah Daly. Thank you.